0: Welcome to the False Neutral. This is episode number thirty seven. This week, it's going to be uh, myself and Garrett. Uh, Pete is off. Uh, he is busy with his regular gig. Uh, but we do have a special guest this week, and we'll bring him on right now. Uh, we have uh, uh, Ty Long Lee, who you may or may not know, as uh, you've seen him in some videos and writing if you uh, follow Motorcycle.com. And he does a lot of other stuff as well, which we're going to talk about. So, Ty, welcome to the show.
1: Great. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, how are
2: you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, as I said, you, uh, we see you on some of the motorcycle.com videos and doing some writing on there. What, how long have you been working with those guys?
1: Uh, you know, I'd say it's been probably, probably three or so years. Uh, I I met the guys, I was literally just rolling around one day up in the hills and I I saw some guys up in the corner doing, doing the the videos and I I rolled up and said, Hey, I know who those guys are. So I pulled over and, uh, introduced myself and I think they were testing. I don't know what bikes they were. It's some, some, uh, naked triples or something, I think. And, uh, we started talking and kind of hit it off for a few minutes and then I, I let them, I let them be and rolled away. About three months later, uh, riding around the hills again on a completely different hill and I rolled up on the same guys. They were doing another test on some other bike and I rolled up and I said, Hey, I know you guys. And they remembered me and we started talking and, one thing led to another, and they invited me a few weeks later to come join them on a test. So I, I don't technically work for the company; I'm not on their payroll. Uh, I'm not part of the organization, sure. but I'm a perennial guest tester.
2: And have you written? That's actually a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool relationship to have. Um, you know, just occasionally being invited to ride brand new motorcycles and hang out with the guys, but you know, not having to have too much responsibility in the whole thing.
1: Well, you know what's interesting and about it is they're all really great writers. Number one, they're all extremely cool guys and, and, uh, I really enjoy their, their company. They're, they're bros and, and it's a lot of fun, but they always say to me they don't actually get to ride as much as they would like. And we, we think that they're out riding all day, but they're actually spending the majority of their time writing as in writing articles and writing the actual review and coming up with, right. with things like that. So if anything, um, uh, out, I don't want to use the term normal folk, but guys that aren't in the industry actually probably end up doing more ride, riding, motorcycle riding, than they actually get to do.
0: Yeah, I uh, as, uh, I, uh, I review uh, cars, and it's funny, I just turned one in today, and I probably drove it, it was a CX-9, so it's not anything special, but, you know, I drove it 150 miles, um, but the reason I only drove it 150 miles in the week I had it was, yeah, working on a bunch of other stuff, so it's like sometimes you got to work to try and carve out the time for that stuff on top of everything else you need to do.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you uh you race as well, correct?
1: I'm sorry, say that one more time.
0: I sorry, you uh you race uh motorcycles as well? Yes.
1: I I do not race. No, actually I would love no. to. No, I I do not race. I'm not a racer. Uh I that's something I'll probably get into uh as soon as I can find more time actually. My schedule's been pretty busy. And uh, adding one more thing would be uh would be difficult at the moment
0: yeah i know how that is um so your day job is kind of interesting um why don't you tell us about that
1: well you know it's it's interesting in and in only in, in that uh i slight i recently had a well let me back up first of all, i'm a music producer and a sound engineer, and that's been my uh that's been my main source of income for for many years now. Uh, I recently, and I was doing music strictly, you know, I'd say 99.99% music. Uh, at the beginning of this year in April, a gig fell into my lap where I started working on a television show as an engineer and I've written music for, for TV and I've, I've done, uh, music that has gone on TV and I've mixed things for TV, but I've never actually taken on a complete series. So, uh, Earlier this year, I decided uh, something fell into my lap, and I decided to give it a shot. And I actually quite enjoy it. So um, my day job has shifted I've, because I'm on the the, the TV show. It, it's got me tied up for several years because there's a there's a long run of it. So I've been doing a lot of that lately. Uh, I still do music. Uh, it's still a good, I'd say, 60% of what I do but the uh, the TV show does take up a lot of time and it's taken up a lot of my uh of my work day.
0: Can you say what TV show you work on?
1: Yeah, it's an anime show called Yokai Watch it's the uh, from what I understand it's the number one anime in Japan and in fact the movie that just came out sometime earlier this year in Japan did better at the box office than Star Wars did, which is it just kind of blows me away. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I just literally, we just mixed a movie. It just released, uh, at the beginning of last month or in the middle of last month, it went to theaters. Uh, the TV show is on, I think it's on Disney XD, uh, weekly. And, uh, it's a lot of fun, even though it's aimed from like eight year olds to 12 year olds, there's a lot of adult humor in it. And, uh, it's really well done. So it's almost like
0: the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, huh?
1: Yeah, it's kind of got <laughs> that thing. I, I think adults would like it. Parents would like it. There's some funny stuff. I laugh. I, I mix it, and I record it, and I, I see what goes on. But there are skits that, that scenes that come up, and I know what's coming, and I still laugh.
0: That's good. That's a, that's a sign of a good show. So
2: was, was music and, and audio engineering uh, something that you are passionate about from a young age, or is that just something that you kind of stumbled into and made it a career for yourself?
1: Uh, You know, it it's a good question. Uh, I've always been into music. I've been a musician since I was 12 years old. I played bass my entire life. And I I never thought that I would be an engineer or a producer. That wasn't something that, you know, when you dream, when you pick up a bass guitar, when you pick up an instrument when you're a kid, I think you want to be a rock star. I mean, at least I did. And I think everybody who picks one up, I don't think they go, oh, I'm going to pick up a bass and I'm going to become a music producer. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be Quincy Jones and I don't think they go oh, I'm gonna be you know Al Schmidt and, and I'm gonna it I'm gonna engineer big records I think everybody says oh, I'm gonna pick up a guitar and become Jimi Hendrix or you know whoever so and that's basically what I did and the engineering thing kind of came out it, it was born out of me working on a record on my own uh, with my with a songwriting partner at the time and we just couldn't afford studio time, so I said, "Well, screw it! I'll just buy a, I'll buy a, a little four-track, and I'll buy a microphone, and and we'll do it ourselves. And I'll learn how to do it." And it started from that humble beginning, yeah, all the way to you know now I've got a, a beautiful recording studio here in Hollywood that uh, that I call home. And many many years in between to get to that point, yeah, that's, uh, that's of course, pretty
2: cool. So, uh, uh, was uh, motorcycles or music? Uh, the first passion. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've had other interests also, but um, were you a motorcycle enthusiast before you kind of got into the whole music thing?
1: I, when I was nine years old, we had a family friend visit from out of the country and he bought a moped. He was a few years older than me. I was, I think seven at the time or eight at the time. And he bought a moped. He was about 13 or 14. And I thought that was the coolest thing. He stayed with us for a summer, and I'd been on, of course, I'd been on bicycles, and i love to jump my bike off of anything. I'd build ramps and go flying off of whatever, like all kids do. And uh I saw this moped, and I went, man, that is just, that's just badass. I want to ride that thing. So he stayed with us for the summer, and when he left, he left it at at our house. So I begged my mom and my dad and I said, you gotta let me ride this thing. I want to ride it. And of course my mom was like, there's no way in hell you're going to ride that thing. You're nine. So, uh, or 10, I think at the time. So I eventually convinced my dad to let me ride it. So I started riding motorized vehicles at, I think, nine or 10. And I would ride this moped around and then it got into dirt bikes. And so, yeah, I think I've been doing that far longer than I've been a musician. So I've, I've always had a love affair with two wheels. And uh, it, it's just kind of interesting that the way it, I kind of, it all kind of came together in my adult life, and two hobbies that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I get to spend a lot of time doing them.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm also a, a huge music enthusiast, but also uh, you know motorcycling too. But unfortunately, I've never had the pleasure of getting paid to do either one of them. I suppose that. Uh, it it must be nice to be able to do both of the things that you love and at least to some degree you get paid um occasionally at least to ride motorcycles and you know, professionally just to be able to uh, work with music like you do. That must be pretty um pretty cool. Well
1: well thank you. I, I do think uh I I am blessed. You know, when you, when you're younger, you, you envision the way your life is going to turn out to be and you, you, you think about the things you want to do with your life and how it looks in the future. And I can't say that my life looks exactly like I planned it to look, but it looks very similar to what I had envisioned meaning I wish I had a, a, a fatter house or I wish I had four four hundred motorcycles and I wish my studio was four thousand square feet as opposed to a couple thousand you know it's like you always want bigger and more and better and and all that but if I think about it I go you know it, it's pretty good I wake right. up and i I get to ride my motorcycle i i do i probably put on a motorcycle in southern california here i, I I'm good for thirty thousand miles a year uh wow most of it is is hanging out in the canyons so I do have a commute to work and that's about a uh it's probably a 30 mile commute round trip maybe 27 28 miles round trip so and and that's not five days a week or six days a week that's you know maybe sometimes it's three days a week sometimes it's five days it just depends so the majority of my time and the majority of my miles are in the canyon so i do feel blessed that i get a chance to go out and blast around all day on a bike and then come in and do work on some cool music
0: 30 miles in L.A., that's like, well, normally, if, if you were to car, that's like three and a half hours, right? But on a bike, you can
1: oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. plane
0: split, so it's not so bad.
1: Yeah, no, it, it takes me a good, uh, regardless of what time. I could, I could leave Colliewood right now and go into Pas- Pasadena. I'd be home in, in 22 minutes on my bike. That's
2: not bad. Yeah, well, what kind of bike do you ride?
1: Uh, I've got an Aprilia uh, 210-1100 RR that I just picked up, and my commuter... Slash distance bike is a 2011 Triumph Sprint GT.
2: Cool. So I have to ask about the Tuano because, (laughs) um, you know, since doing this podcast, I've been uh, probably wearing a hole in Pete and Eric's ear about the kind of motorcycle that I want to get next. And so I keep talking about the FC-10 or other super nakeds, the KTM Super Duke, and then I never really considered the Aprilia until a few months ago. And then I decided the Aprilia Tuano before the 1100 is definitely the bike for me. And so uh, I would like to get your perspective from being an owner of one. Is that the super naked to have, do you think?
1: Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that bike is so good. If,
2: uh, if, if nothing else, the sound, right?
1: Uh yeah, it's. Just the way it makes its power. You, you turn it on and you go, uh, can I, can I cuss on this? <laughs> can I, because you, you just go, oh, I'll, I'll, bleep. You know, this is, uh, it, it sounds so good. It's, it's sexual. It's sensual. It's, it's visceral. Uh, the way it makes its power is great. And yeah, it's got a lot of power, but it, if you, if you ride it like, like a mule, you can, you can, you can put along. It, it doesn't like to be at low revs. It really wants to be, it, it really wants to be open. Yeah. You know, she wants to run. Just the way it makes you feel, number one, it's it's sensual, it's sexual. It's uh you you thumb the starter and it's just the way that V four makes noise and the way it comes to life and the way it thrums and everything about it, it's it's you just know you're on a motorcycle. And it's just playing out, plain and simple. You get on the bike and yeah, maybe other bikes will spec out better, arguably better. But as far as feeling like uh like you're 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 on something and you're alive this bike it's great and you can commute on it you can split lanes on it it she really would like to be wrong you know she wants her neck wrong basically she wants to be going fast so um i don't know if she'd make the greatest commuter bike she she doesn't like to be below three thousand rpm but uh if you find a stretcher road or you find a twisty mountain my god i I don't know if there's a better bike to, to have and if if there was i'd have bought it Plain and simple.
2: Yeah.
1: Is, is that your first Aprilia? Yeah, yeah, this is my first Aprilia. Yeah, and I've got no regrets. I, the, the bike has been has been great. And just the character, the way she makes the power, man. Yeah. God, it's so Any good. Any
2: concerns about dealership or anything like that?
1: No, n- none whatsoever. And I can understand how some people might be reticent about buying one, but, you know, they're, they're motorcycles, man. Just buy them, you know. If it breaks, fix it. That's the way I look at it. You know, it's, if you're buying a motorcycle to, to commute, then go buy, go buy something solid and go commute on it. But if you're buying a motorcycle because you want to, because, because you're a biker and you, you enjoy riding motorcycles, then don't be afraid of owning an Aprilia, man. Just go on and enjoy it because uh, even if the thing broke down on you, I'd still buy another one. Why? Because it's a motorcycle and it makes me feel great. And, you know, look, every brand is going to break. Every brand has a bike that, somebody got a lemon and and all all brands have issues so you know why not just buy something that's going to feel amazing
0: agreed agreed um how about uh how about the the Triumph then uh, that's maybe not polar opposite but it's very different yes
1: <laughs> yeah i affectionately call my triumph the grey whale uh because she <laughs> she's a triple it's a 1050 motor <laughs> it's a great motor it's a great bike I, I do love her but she's heavy by comparison She doesn't turn in as well by comparison. Uh, she's a more boring ride. She's, I, I I wouldn't say she's Honda NC 700X boring, but she, uh, she's definitely more boring by comparison. (laughs) But uh, but she does what I need her to do, and she gets me from point A to point B, and she allows me to split lanes and she allows me to pack the bags and get away for a week or so if I want to go run to British Columbia or onto to the Grand Canyon or somewhere I can take a big trip on her, and she's comfortable and she has enough power to keep me satisfied, and you know we always want more power because that's what we are we're you know we're adrenaline junkies, so you can always use more power, but in the real world she's 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 ample, sure
0: that's good. We'll, we'll come back to music here in a minute. For the stuff that you've done with motorcycle.com and the rides, you're with, you're usually doing the, the group ride stuff with them, yeah, where they're doing like multi bike comparisons.
1: The, the correct, yes.
0: And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember the last yeah, one it, I saw you on. Um, was that the adventure touring one or was that the super Naked's up to uh, Laguna?
1: The last one that I did that published would would have been the lifestyle bike shootout. It would have been, uh, I believe, Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was the lifestyle or hipster bike shootout. I forget what it was, what they actually ended up using for the, uh, uh, as the title. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that would have been the last one. And I can't remember and, what and was. that was a fun, that was really fun. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the way they did it is usually what we would do is we would, we would go out and we, we pick a winner and there's a scorecard and, let me just back up. I want to, for all your viewers and listeners to, to understand that, because, because I, I used to think the same way. I used to think that magazine reviews are biased. That guys come in and the, the manufacturers whine and dine you and then you're always going to write a positive review. Well, as far as motorcycle.com is concerned, I, I don't know about the other publications, but as far as, uh, MO, Motorcycle Online, That could not be further from the truth. It's not biased. Yeah, sometimes a manufacturer may show a little favoritism. Maybe they buy you a dinner. Maybe they do something nice to throw you a T-shirt or something. But but you're going to get that's just the way the industry works. As far as going in and doing the actual bike testing, the only three things I've ever been told are, number one, don't wreck the press bike. Number two, don't wreck the press bike. And number three, do not wreck the press bike. yeah And if there is a fourth instruction and that's just to just be honest. Yeah. And that's all I've ever been told. And so when we go in and we ride, we literally will, we'll grab the bikes. We'll, if it's a track thing, we'll hit the track and we, we, you, you get on the bike and you roll around and you, you do your, you do your, your laps and you come back and you immediately you jot down your notes and then you jump on the next bike and you go and you, and everybody swaps bikes and, and you can do whatever you want. You can, mess with the suspension, whatever you have time for. And most of the time, you don't even have time to do that. You're just swapping bikes, and you're going. And between the testing and the photos and the video portion, by the time we're ready to roll film on what our opinions are, it's not like we're all sitting around comparing notes and, hey, we're going to have a game plan on how we're going to do this. We literally get wired up. It's so low budget. You just get wired up, and the camera comes on, and it's usually one of the riders and, uh, you hit record and you start talking about what you want. So it's not a rehearsed thing. There's no script. There's no right or wrong answer. There's just usually there are four guys on a test, but it's a bunch of riders talking about what they like and what they don't like. And it's all from the heart and it's all from the gut. And we don't always agree, which is good, which is good. Yeah. And because there are, and the basis for motorcycle.com, the, the, the background, the approach is we're all sport bike riders. We're all, uh track junkies uh, a lot of the guys were ex-racers and some of them still race so they're they can all ride and they can all write flat out they're they they can hustle so that's really cool so you're getting a uh a, a qualified opinion but it always comes from the sports side you you know if you jump on a harley we we may rank that a little lower because we're always looking at it from a from the you know fast guy perspective but with that said uh Everything that you hear from these guys, it's from their heart, it's how they feel. If you if you talk to them off record, there's no different answer off record than there is on record. Which I think is really cool. And I think that people they don't realize that. They think that we're we're all paid to just say positive things about the bike and then we're gonna sugarcoat it if we find something bad. That I've never been told that.
0: And the the problem we come into, or of course the thing you've always heard for years is um uh So many times it's, well, they're all good. You can't make a bad decision. Well, part of that's actually true, right? It's all what appeals to you personally.
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if I said to you, hey, uh, Eric, get out there. Here are four bikes. Get on them. Both you guys, Garrett and Eric. You guys get on these bikes and roll around. What do you think? Now, if you just rolled up on an 1100 or you just rolled up on a Multistrada, or you just rolled up on a Panigale, you kind of got that in your mind. All right, because that's that's your you you just you just stepped off of that. So now you jump on. Let's say you're jumping on 300, or you're jumping on some you know low powered bike, or something that's not what you what you usually ride or what you would usually pick. So now how do you grade that on a curve? If a Panagalli 1299 gets a gets a a 100 on the brakes, where does a Ninja 300 get? Does a Ninja 300 get a four? Do you give it a two? Because compared to the 1299, it's gonna get a two. But where do you where do you rank it? So do you grade it on a curve? So are you saying that if a Ninja Three Hundred you gave the brakes on a Ninja Three Hundred a nine because in the class it's a nine, but you gave a, a, a an MT Ten a seven because it's a seven in the class? Ultimately, one got a seven and one got a nine, which are, which are better brakes. So the point being is it's it's hard to to it's hard to to really put down into a number how to rank these things because there's so much of it is is personal preference you know what you enjoy in a motorcycle is going to be maybe it's completely different than what i enjoy in a motorcycle maybe i'm really about something smooth and maybe you're about having a bike that makes a lot of noise and and rumbles and and uh, maybe garrett you like something that that just goes stupid fast and wants to loop over every time you twist the throttle and if it doesn't do that then it gets it gets a zero in your book so how do you rate a motorcycle and all motorcycles today they're all they're all damn good, I mean honestly they're all good there There are, there are very few dogs out there as it should be i mean it's what two thousand and sixteen they've had years to do these things and to get these things right and the, you know when you start to really get into it, you, you got to find little things to write about that are negative, and sometimes you you have a hard time doing that and then if you if you really pay attention to what these guys are saying, it's usually pretty uh pretty subjective stuff. That they that they might, you know, the merit here is because oh I thought the seat was was hard and someone else who weighs, you know, another hundred pounds over me might go, dude, the seat was fine. You I might go, hey, the suspension was a little soft and it was a little bouncy for me, and another guy that weighs less than me might say, dude, I found it really stiff. So. You know how do you do that? How do you how do you talk about it in a in an objective way? Uh,
0: and and nothing will tell you how good modern bikes are than to go ride something that's fifteen or twenty years old, and then you go like, oh, I I see what I see what the difference is now.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And we've got it made, man. It, today there, it's such a great time to buy a bike. I was talking to friends about this recently. It's such an amazing time to buy a bike. If you had some cash burning a hole in your pocket, or you got a credit card, or you got some credit that you want to go burn through. If you walk into any dealer, you could literally just take a dart and throw it into the showroom floor, and you could walk away, and you'd have a good bike. You know, would it do what you needed to do? And, and will it tick all the boxes? I don't know if there's a bike out there that ticks all the boxes. Really, you you, you, you got to have you got to have one for every occasion. I I, I think uh, there are bikes that will switchblade and or Swiss Army knife. It will say and can do a little bit of everything. But seriously, man, you go into a, a dealership nowadays, you just look around and go, "Wow, I could ride that." Or, you know, two feet over, you go, I can ride that too. Or, shit, I could have one of those. So, it's, it's such a wonderful time to be in biking.
0: Yeah. What, um, what's been your favorite thing that you've ridden over the last, say, 12 to 18 months?
1: Wow. Um,
0: or if there's multiple well, so for I'd, different the, reasons, you know.
1: Well, I really love the Aprilia 1100. I, I rode everything before I bought it. I've only had it for, uh, I think this is going on my fourth month. Uh, I've got, what, I, I'm about to click. Eight thousand miles on it, uh, yeah, but almost eight thousand miles. Actually, no, maybe more than that. Shit, I'd have to go home and look. But it's got a few thousand miles on it already. But I love that bike, and like I said earlier, if there were, if I, if I found a better bike for me, for my preferences, I'd have bought it. Aside from that, I think the Super Duke is a great bike. Uh, it's more comfortable. I think a little more, or, a little more upright, a little more motardi. Phenomenal engine. That that the way it makes. Bottom end power is so fun, so good. Uh I recently rode an eleven ninety nine R, which I thought was phenomenal as well, from a just a, a visceral standpoint, that thing made power so so quick and it just wound out so nice. Uh I think the new R1, i I think that's a great bike too. I got a chance to flog one of those around Chuck Walla for an afternoon and had such a great time on it and the electronics on it are so good. It, it's really you could I, I don't think it's gonna save a bad writer and I don't want people to ever think that electronics are a crutch and it's, you know, I hear old, old guys go, Oh man, screw those electronics. You know, I, I, my traction control is my right hand. Well, you know, it, yeah, it is. And it should be, but it doesn't mean that a kid can get on an R1 and he's not going to loop it over and he's going to throw himself off a mountain because, you know, I see that every weekend on the crest. But with that mm-hmm. said, I think the electronics are good. I think it makes a good writer. It can help a good writer. If he knows what he's doing, electronics can help. And it can help correct and it can help save something that could be potentially disastrous. And it's the difference between losing a, losing the back end a couple feet versus losing the entire bike over, over the side of the mountain. So I think the electronics do have a, a place in, in motorcycling and I totally welcome it. So with that said, yeah, I thought the R1 is, is a great bike. Um, God, what else is good? The, uh, little FZ, no, I'm sorry, the, uh, XJ, I forget what it's called, the XJR, XSR 900, the little, uh, the new Yamaha that they just came out with, with the, uh, you know, it's the FZ, the FZ09 yeah, motor. Yeah, it looks
0: like, uh, yeah, looks like, it's, wait, is that the one that they have set up to look like the dirt tracker?
1: Yeah, 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 that's it. Man, dude, yeah, yeah. what a great bike. I was so absolutely blown away by the bike. Uh, I, I thought it, the motor was awesome. The, the bike was light, super easy to handle. Um, it's got character. It, it just handled so well. I wanted a wheelie everywhere for a second, you know, maybe in third, he'd clutch it up, but it, it just wanted, the front end just wanted to lift everywhere and it just made you smile. It's not the most powerful bike on earth, but it, it's, it doesn't matter. It's so fun. I, I was really blown away by the way that thing rode. Uh, God, what else is out there? All the Beamers. I think the Beamers are good. The r t it's a great bike. Uh, if you get into, um, uh, more of the adventure thing. I think the GS is a brilliant bike, uh, as evidenced by how many you see on the road, by uh, guys that really ride, and, and those things hustle. You can you can hustle them. In fact, I always used to see these guys riding, and I'd go, God, how are these? How are they bending in into a turn? How are these guys flying on these gigantic 500 something pound bikes? And then I rode one, and went, Oh, <laughs> that's how they're doing it. This bike's brilliant. It does everything. So uh, that's a great bike.
0: Have you ridden the Africa Twin yet?
1: I have not ridden the Afri- Africa Twin. I've only seen a couple of them in the wild out on this road, but uh, I would love to ride one. Uh, that looks like a, a hell of a fun bike. Have you ridden? I have
0: it? not. I've I've actually seen one around me. I, I live in uh Detroit area, so it's not exactly ADV heaven out here, um, Okay. although the roads might be appropriate for all the potholes, but yeah, that's a whole separate issue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah on paper it looks great and I know it's gotten great reviews from everybody who uh who, who gets on them
0: yeah yep i uh that's, i'm reading the same same things um so I we'll, was we'll circle back to something here and and um wondering for you does or how does or does music and motorcycles mix together for you
1: well that's a good question um i kind of see them one and the same really. I guess because it's my life, it, it just I I'm so into motorcycling and I'm so into music it it's it's kinda cool the way it it just kinda worked out that I get to do both. Uh I don't think that there's any I think that there's nothing in my life that requires my absolute attention and being in the moment, like motorcycling and like music. Because when you're playing music you're having a conversation with people. Your instrument is essentially your mouthpiece. So if you're in a room with people and you're making music, you're listening. Well, you know, at least you should be. The good ones are listening, and you're conversing with your with your bandmates and with your fellow musicians. So, you know, if I'm playing bass, and I'm looking over and I'm grooving with the drummer. There's a secret handshake we have, and we're locking in, and and he's speaking or she's speaking and I'm speaking, and then you look over and the piano player is doing something really dope, and you you kind of go. You know, you, you latch onto that and you join the conversation and everything, it, It's you're in the moment. You're not thinking about yesterday. You're not thinking about an hour from now. You're not thinking about anything. You're not thinking about your, your bills, your taxes, your, you know, who you're going to vote for and all this stuff, where our country's going. You're, you're not thinking of any of that. You're just, you're in the moment and it, and it's beautiful. And when I'm working on music and I'm, I'm produ- whether I'm producing or I'm mixing something, it requires my absolute attention and I can be right in the moment. Conversely. Uh, or in addition, uh, motorcycling is the same way. You know, you're on a motorcycle. If you're out wandering, you're daydreaming, um, you know, you're off the road. At least the the roads that I'm riding and, and the way I, I ride my bike. I'm up in the canyons and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a speed freak. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not telling your listeners to go out and speed, but if you happen to find yourself speeding, you know, you should be paying attention. So, uh, there's nothing in my life that requires my absolute focus. So I really love that about the two and there are a lot of parallels that i can draw between the two because of that i also think that with music you're you're improvising there's no set rule uh, you know if you get a chart you put it in front of you and you start playing then you're 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 doing your thing you you are um you're expressing yourself and when you get on a motorcycle it's the same thing you know no two guys take the same line you now you look at a road, you look at a stretch of road, and you just work on getting into that turn clean and getting out of that turn clean and If you're on a track you're you're looking at your your brake braking zones and your markers, and you know how are you going to pitch the bike in and when you're getting on the gas, and it's a dance that you do, and it's this improv dance, and if a guy's in front of you, that changes your line and you're you're constantly having to to adjust and you're improvising your way through it. If you're out on a city street and you're out riding your motorcycle through traffic, you're dodging traffic in and out and you know, the, the the scenery is constantly changing. It's uh you're dancing through the streets on your bike. And it's very much like making music or being you know, involved in music. So that's the way I would look at the two.
0: And what um what styles of music do you enjoy the most? Music do you enjoy the most?
1: Good music. <laughs> <laughs> if I see good and bad anything yeah. good okay uh yeah. and and, I, and let me quantify that uh or let me qualify that good music to me is just anything that was is from the soul from the heart you know if it's true then and if you believe it if that's who you are then that's the music you're going to make if it's something that's contrived or that's formulaic or that's you know hey we're going to do a a certain thing and it's going to hit a market whether it's a commercial thing or you're you're looking to do a you know for for literally a commercial on TV or you're looking to sell a product or something that's a very contrived very narrow focused thing that is uh very um deliberate then you know that's that serves a purpose and there's there's definitely a need for that but for me any music regardless of the style whether it's rock funk country hip-hop R&B Soul, jazz, reggae—you name it. Whatever it is, if it—if the artist that created it, if the people who created it meant it, then then I'm down for it. Then that's cool to me. And it's the same thing oh, for the that's... clients that I work with. If I or the work for me, or, or vice versa, whatever. Um, if, it, we're, if we're all into it, I won't take a gig unless I I feel like I can contribute to it in some way, and I have to be emotionally invested in it to some to some degree, because if I'm not then mm-hmm. then why do it
0: if you don't care you're just going to do a job if you care you're going to put your your best effort into it as well
1: absolutely i didn't get into this for the money i i, I need the money but I, I didn't get into it for the money <laughs> you know because it, 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 if i was i'd be the, the biggest idiot on earth you do not get into the music business from the money that's just straight out flat out right there it's not why you do it you do it because it chose you it's the life that chose you and it's it's what's you know, and I think actually a lot of it is I spent my entire adult life avoiding having to wake up in the mornings. I'm not a morning person. And there are a couple of things that allow me to not have to have an alarm and that's music and motorcycles. So there you go. <laughs> no,
0: I, I, I hear you on that. I, I've been a writer off and on for a good portion of my adult life and you don't get into writing for the money either. Same, same kind of thing. It's you do it cause it's, you have something to say and hopefully yeah. people want to hear what you have to say. So yeah,
1: hopefully people will say, Hey, I, 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 I'll reach in my wallet and allow you to continue to do what you're doing. And, and I believe in you and I trust in you. And I, you know, I want to spend time with you because when you're making a record with somebody, that's what you're doing. They're, they're reaching into their wallet and they're saying, Hey, yeah. come hang out with me for a month. Come on, hang out with me for a few months and, and let's, Let's have an intimate thing, and I don't mean physically. I mean yeah. in a, an emotional, and, you know. Because art is is it's an intimate thing. It's what you put out into the world, and it's what it's how you're judged. You know, you put a record out. And most of the first thing people do, they either go, "I like it" or "I don't like it." You're being judged right out of the gate. So, you know, when when so I feel honored that anybody would say, "Hey, let's go hang out and and do something really cool together for a little while." And oh, by the way, here's some money, and and that that helps because it puts <laughs> gas and tires on my bike. Exactly,
0: exactly. Um. All right. So the, the, the current, uh, argument, uh, in music, vinyl or digital?
1: Uh, well, it's hard to beat good vinyl, man. <laughs> it's, uh, right, good. I'm not the only, <laughs> I think properly. Yeah. I think vinyl. Uh, look, I love vinyl. I think it sounds amazing. Uh, I think digital has made, made a lot of strides. Um, and you know, I could, I can go on a humongous dissertation on that, but essentially in a nutshell, I think if an engineer, and a producer knows what they're doing you can get digital to sound really warm you just have to approach it the proper way And I I think that if you if you the whole thing with analog is this if you if you use tape a lot of guys have this nostalgic and romantic love of tape and and for any of your your viewership or listenership that that doesn't know essentially tape is just a really warm medium and what is it? It's, it's not perfect. It's smeared. It's not, it doesn't spec out great. It, but it's, it is analogous to the way the h- human hearing works. So it's really, uh, it's really creamy and really warm and really, uh, dimensional and all the wonderful things like film would be in, in video. And then digital comes along and it's not analogous. It's ones and zeros. It's digital. It's hard. It's cold. It's, it does all these things that people associate with harshness and, and brightness and two dimensionality. Well, if you approach digital the right way, you can get it to sound analog. It just takes a little more effort to do it. Back in the old days when you were recording, uh, you would, let's say you, you mic'd up a drum kit, you would hit the tape hard, and what you got back when you listened to it sounded better. So instantly you were better. You were a better engineer just because the tape was helping you out, and that's great. So if you took the same exact approach and you hit digital, you got you got it back, and you went, "God, that sounds awful." Well, it's because the tape, the digital's not helping you out. The dig- digital is either giving you exactly what you gave it, or a lesser than representation of that. So if you come in and you you hit the digital and you give it all the warmth and all that ahead of time, no, it, you can make it sound great. So I know it may not answer your question, but I think that uh, digital has come a long way from where it was. And, you know, for me, nothing beats putting a record on. However, whereas if you had asked me this five years ago, I'd have been like, oh, absolutely 100% analog vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Nowadays, I still say vinyl, but properly recorded and properly done digital can be just as engaging.
0: I, um, I just signed up for the, uh, uh, Music Matters is doing a the lot, their last 13 records for, uh, Blue Note reissues. And, um, yeah, I didn't really want to spend that money, but, it's, you looked at who they're doing, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pay that every month, thank you."
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad you did, man, because there are, you know, I, I spend so much time and so many hours and and uh, just so much attention on trying to get the final details out on on mixes. And I, I there's a lot of money invested in the studio to keep it at high resolution, and there's we do all these things as engineers to to capture sound in a very engaging way, in a very emotional way, and then it gets dumbed down into an MP3. Which to me, it sounds mm-hmm. awful by comparison. It's like, you know, you spend time doing a great video and then and shooting it in high def or shooting it on 70 mil or 35 mil. And then it gets put on YouTube and it's at some, you know, tiny little megabits per second kind of thing. And it's, it's awful. So for anyone yeah. that, that takes the time and says, you know what? I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to vote with my wallet, get out and vote. <laughs> I'm going to vote with my wallet and uh, buy quality audio. I think that's, it's a wonderful thing because unfortunately now the, the the younger generation the kids these days they don't know good audio at all no they're they're used to the mp3 they're the mp3 generation music is free to them and it's an afterthought it's a commodity and it's it sounds awful to them
0: michael michael framer said it best one time he's like if it's if it's an mp3 and digital it's it's throwaway if it's vinyl it means you you have an investment in it, and it's going to mean something to you. It's not just going to be background noise. So, um, and, I, and I couldn't agree the, with that. The, right well, yeah. But to, uh, well, and you, you drop the needle, the and you can't walk away. What's that?
1: Well, I was going to say, you drop the needle on a, on a, on a disc, and, and you can't walk away, because if you do, 20 no. minutes later, 16 minutes later, you've got to flip it. You know, or you're going to ruin your needle. Exactly. So, you know, it, exactly. it, it requires your attention. you got to be there.
0: And, and, and flipping that back into motorcycles, it's kind of, I mean, it goes back into sort of your choices. And, and what you were saying is you've got the Triumph, you've got the Aprilia on, on a spec sheet. Maybe they don't come out the best, but there's an analog quality to them or there's a, an emotional quality to them. Kind of like with analog, uh, music, it's just there's, there's a warmth or there's something that gets you a little, little more than just looking at a spreadsheet. And, um, you know, that's, that's what it's that emotional part of it that really draws us.
1: Well, absolutely. Look, music and motorcycles, they're not, they're not requirements in life. You know, nobody says you have to pick a band and you have to pick a motorcycle. You know what I mean? These are, these are luxuries. Music is a luxury. You know, uh, motorcycles are a luxury. We're not sitting in Vietnam where we have to have a motorcycle to get from point A to point B and that would never get there. We're not sitting in India where a car can't make it through the streets. You know, you're better off on a motorcycle or a scooter. So, we're here in the States where we've got wide open highways, we've got canyons, we've got racetracks around us and, and we have discretionary income, disposable income. So for most people, and I know, I know that there are people who commute on them myself included, but for the most people, for the most part, guys are putting a few thousand miles on their bike a year. Go buy something that makes you, you know, that makes you moist. You know what I mean? Go get something that makes you smile. You know, don't, don't think with your head, just, just buy the bike. And if you don't like it, sell it, you know, Buy another one. Um,
0: hey, Garrett, I know you're having some internet problems there. Um, you got any, uh, any last questions before we wrap
2: up? No, um, I enjoyed listening to you and I'm sorry I couldn't participate more. It just sounds so choppy on my end. I think that just something happened to my internet today, but I really like what you have to say about the Aprilia because that's a bike that I was really looking at getting and had some apprehension. But what you say about the Aprilia it just makes so much sense. You know, it's, it's a bike that just wants to be ridden and even if it had a problem so what it's a motorcycle and you just fix it and you move on but it still makes sense to buy the motorcycle that you want to have and the one that makes you just feel so emotional because that's what it's all about right we just want to feel some emotion when we ride a motorcycle and so buy the one that gives you that
1: well absolutely you said it you said it great it it is emotional it looked life is short go on and enjoy it you know if you don't like the bike you sell it buy another one you lose a couple of grand so what you know if you if you like the bike you buy the bike you ride the bike it makes you feel great Then that's all we can ask for. We want to feel alive. You know what I mean? We, we want to get up and we want to ride and we want to feel like we're, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a great day. You know, it can erase problems. You get on your bike and erase those problems. Why? Because it, it feels great and it causes you to be right in the moment. You're not worried about all the other things going on in your life. You're just focused on the bike and the way it hums and the way it's vibrating between your legs and the, the way the front end wants to lift up and the way you can stuff it into a corner and feel every bit of confidence of that you're going to make it through the other side. You know, there are all these things that you want the bike to do, and and if or if you're going slow, then then you just want the bike to make you feel special. And you know, too many guys I I see, you read the forums and you you look at uh, online, and I talk to bike. I said, oh yeah, but this bike doesn't do this, or it doesn't do that, or it doesn't have this, or on paper this that. Well, you know what? You can't ride a spec sheet, and why ride a boring bike? It's just or a safe. When I say safe, just a you know a non exciting bike. Again, these aren't. The, you know for some some guys it's a tool but for us it should just be a it should be fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's a really good place to uh to wrap it up. Um Ty, if people want to uh follow you or find out more about you or see about some of your adventures and stuff you do, any, any place they can follow you on social media or on the inter- in- internet?
1: Yeah, I'm on I'm on Facebook. My name is Ty Long Lee. It's spelled T H A I L O N G. L Y is my middle name or my last name. Uh, they can find me at tailonglee.com. That's my website if you want to find me on you know whatever. Insta Twit, face chat, all the you know, snapbook, all the good stuff. They can find me at t l 2 base. That's at @t tom larry the number 2 base b a s s.
0: And on af1 aprilia forms as well as that too. So. that's correct and garrett for us where can everyone find us
2: facebook.com uh slash false neutral um and then also at twitter um at the false neutral and then as always find us on hooniverse um as long with uh, all of our other sister podcasts uh leave us a comment on uh, hooniverse and also uh rate us on itunes that would be a big help too
0: absolutely hey ty appreciate the uh the time and coming on the show
1: Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it, guys.
0: Yeah, thank you. All right. Until uh, next week, everyone have a good night.
1: Take care. Later.